Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so thrilled you're here. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It is my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories and wisdom. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a journey, not a destination. I am Sandy Scarlatta, America's happiness coach, author of Happiness Solved. I'm a retired U.S. national and international figure skating coach. I've been a certified life coach since 2004, and I've been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. If you have any questions you would like answered on this podcast, or just in general, please email me at sandy at sandyscarlotta.com or visit www.sandyscarlotta.com to schedule a free call. Thank you for listening today, and I hope you enjoy it. Today's guest is Rob White. Rob was born in a small mill town, went on to become a school teacher and then a successful entrepreneur as a bi-coastal real estate developer and restaurateur. Over the past 25 years of his life journey, Rob has been exploring the incalculable nature of what it means to be a human being. Combining that knowledge with his vast experiences, he has reworked his realizations, spiritual insights, and wisdom into sound, practical advice. This is such an amazing interview, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, Rob. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing? I am doing great, especially now that I'm talking with you. Made my day. Thank you very much. So where are you calling in from? Um, I'm right now in my home in Boston. Okay. I thought I heard a little bit of an accent there. Yep. You heard. We parked the car in the Harvard yard. Yep. <laughs> I was going to ask you to say car, but you beat me to it. <laughs> That's awesome. So you told me in your bio that you're a person who has who fell into many potholes on his journey through life, only to realize that the it's the potholes that offer the lessons for outrageous success. Couldn't agree with you more. And I love how you how how you stated that. So let's hear about some of these potholes. Well, the big I, the pothole. So I was born in a small mill town, and an impoverished small mill town. The conversation was always scarcity, and I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. On in that small mill town, 
where there was a lot of anger, a lot of alcohol, etc., in the whole neighborhood. So uh, that, so I was born into a conversation. Uh, life is tough, and if you're going to make it, you got to be tough. And mm. when I was three and four and five and six and seven, uh, that made sense. Mom was tough, Dad was tough, and that's how you get through life. So I'll be tough. So uh, when so that was a pothole, although I didn't know it was a pothole until. My freshman year in high school, I was a wise guy. I was tough, no one fools with me, attitude. And I made a wise remark to the principal in the cafeteria in front of everyone. And he looked at me and he said, I'll see you in my office. And I made a smirky remark and followed him to the office. And he said to me, you understand I could suspend you. And if I suspend you, that's going to go on your, your school record. Uh, and uh, if you plan to go to college, um, that's going to that's gonna have an effect. So I told him, I don't plan to go to college. So what do you think of that? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, like I thought, that was a great remark. And he said to me, you know, Bobby, that's what they called me. <clears throat> Look, I, I've seen you around, and I see you have a, a, a gang of people that, that uh, admire you and think you're funny and follow you around. Clearly, you're a leader, and clearly, you're a winner. The problem is, uh, you're going to win at losing at life, but oh. you'll win. I never heard of that before. You can win at losing. Wow. He said, you'll win. There's no doubt about it, but you're going to win at losing because that's what you've got your set, you, you, you've set your mind to. And what a shame. What a waste. So I'm not going to suspend you. I'm going to let you suspend yourself from life. So go ahead back. Don't think about it. You go ahead and, and keep the attitude you've got, and you keep pointing in the direction you're going. And uh, 10 years from now, just take a look at yourself. Wow. Well, I had never had anyone talk to me like that. And uh, it had an effect on me. I started noticing that I was always looking for something to complain about or something to push around or someone to push around. And I realized that in the end, I looked at my dad, who I loved dearly, and he's passed on, but uh, he still worked in the local uh, factory uh, and pretty much got soused on weekends and complained constantly. And there I go. Uh, in another uh, decade after school, here I start on that route. I could get it. So you see, that's in from there, uh, Sandy, yes, I did get into college. I got into the local university. I have no scholarships, uh, no, no funding. Um, but the principal when I got in, he called me in the office my senior year, and he said, I can get you a job in Amherst. I went to University of Mass, Amherst, Mass. Um, I can get you a job at the Amherst cam campus if you'd like one. And I said, I would. And from, from that um, experience with him three years earlier and follow through, I, the most important thing I want to bring out in this is because I was stubborn and now I was stubborn in the right direction, I worked my way through college, never took out a student loan, never had any aid from my folks. They couldn't afford it, seven kids and all of that. Uh, and um, when I left UMass with my diploma, I actually had $5,000 in my pocket and a car. Uh, and that's because I was stubborn and I was stubborn in the right direction. So I had taken uh, taken a pothole, and found the found the found the gem in it. Stubbornness is good. The 
if you know how to handle stubborn uh, properly and know when not to be, when to be open and listening. So that's an example. And from that, uh, quite frankly, first I taught for 17 years in the Boston public schools. I went to the big city that I'd never been to in my life. Didn't know anybody there. Um, drove to Boston all by myself in my car. Didn't even know where I was going to stay. And, uh, and not poor me, poor me. Coming from, uh, let's, I still got life, can, now life wasn't tough, but life is definitely has a lot of challenges. And let's see what life's got next for me. So it wasn't that cynical, life is tough and I'll be tough and get out of my way. It was, yeah, life can, life can give a lot of challenges, and let's just see what's up next for me. Well, I want you to know after 17 years of teaching, I finally got that I still was stuck with something, Sandy. I was stuck with, for me, mediocrity. And I don't mean being a teacher is being mediocre. Being a teacher is wonderful. I loved it, helping kids. I loved the students. A lot of them loved me. It was... There was a secret dream I had. L.S. Sterrett of L.S. Sterrett Company in Athol from whence I was born was wealthy. And he had a fancy car and he had horses. And I always thought, I wonder what that's like. Well, it's after 17 years of teaching, I decided I was going to get tough once again and take a look at life from, I'm going to become a millionaire. Yeah, that's it. I quit teaching. Three more years, I would have been able to retire on the limited retirement and had a, a lifetime health plan, 20 years. But I was 17, lost everything on purpose. I don't mean I lost it. I gave it all up. Uh, my parents were angry. My, my colleagues thought I was insane. The principal thought I should go see a psychologist. I was going through a midlife crisis. And to make a long story short, because I believed what the principal told me about I was born to win and I could win at winning or win at losing. I went out not knowing how I was going to become a millionaire. Uh, just to let you know, I've made tens of millions of dollars. And how I did it, phase one was walking down South Huntington Avenue in Boston after having quit. Friendly quit. I don't mean I went in and said, I quit. That's it for me. I mean, I went in and I had tears and all that. I saw a book brand new on the sidewalk. Who doesn't pick up a brand new book? I picked it up and turned it around and it said, How to Get Rich in Real Estate by Robert Kent. Now, I'm not espousing the book, and I think the book was a mediocre book, but it was my Bible. My God, I'd gotten a sign from life. This is it. <laughs> wow. This is my journey. Wow. Yeah, and, and I read the book and I followed it to the T, uh, and, 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 and then some. So, of course, I have to give you shortcuts. And so always I got the only way to success is to fail my way forward. As, and then when you're failing your way forward, your failures aren't failures. They're wonderful opportunities. They give you possibilities. So that's when I began to realize uh, the more someone fails with the right intention. They don't fail on purpose. I just mean they're, they're moving in the right direction and failing often. The farther they progress. And, and, and as a matter of fact, people who, who try not to fail because they're under the illusion people who are successful fail less, live small. People who fail a lot live tall. They take big chances, but they learn from that. I took huge chances, and I learned from it. And so that's, uh, you know, and, and from there I went to 
after making tens of millions of real estate, I was I loved restaurants. Oh, I love restaurants. Go to restaurants and have parties and invite lots of folks and all of that stuff. So I got in. I said, you know what? I should I should own a restaurant. Well, I ended up owning three of Boston's most prominent restaurants over the next three to five years. And again, failed like crazy, but every day, like the child who's trying to learn to walk falls and gets right up. I looked at what happened. I looked at what I did that wasn't, you've got to look at what's wrong to make it right. And I had to look at what was wrong about the way I was handling my new enterprise, restaurateur, to make it right. See, folks want to avoid what's wrong. My God, look at what's wrong. It's there as a gift. If you don't look at what's wrong and you bury it, resist it, deny it, or avoid it, you will just you will continue to do the same thing over and over again. Yeah, which gives you the same results. Yeah, it's that definition of insanity, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, my big question is: Did you ever go back? to that principal that had that conversation with you your freshman year of high school and thank him? Um, I, yes, several times and got to know him. Uh, I considered him a wise uncle and uh, absolutely. Uh, see, I believe that life is always offering every one of us uh, unassuming gurus I call it a guru, someone who's there for you to offer you a tip, a very powerful, valuable tip, so you can correct where you correct where you need correction. And if we're willing to listen, and tell him I wasn't listen, listening, and after him, the greatest gift he gave me, and I've shared it with him, he's passed on since, uh, was that he taught me there are gurus everywhere. There are unassuming, everyday, ordinary folks who have the right and perfect solution for you in the moment. And if you're willing to be aware that they're around everywhere and listen, you will bump into them constantly. And I have bumped into not, he's a very, very significant one, but many, many unassuming everyday ordinary gurus, meaning they don't consider themselves those gurus. They just sit you down, sit you down and say, can I give you a tip in their own way? And if someone says that to me, I listen. Because I know life, once again, has offered me a guru. Mm. It's so true. And sometimes we don't even realize it at the time. And uh, if you're open, I feel like if you're open, open to learning from others, you can absolutely learn from others. So what I've learned, I'd say that my guru tip to people and being a girl means I'm an ordinary person who just has one tip that I use all the time. You see, here's something interesting, especially where you're, you're about happiness solved, about happiness. You see, a problem is only a problem, Sandy, when we say there's something wrong here. It isn't a problem. It's just simply what is and if you look at it as, so here's what is, what can I learn from this so that I can resolve what's going on so that I can, so I can forward my intention. If I come from the is is the is, and it's not a problem, it's just a challenge, it's a situation, it's a circumstance, I see it from a very different attitude than something's wrong here. This shouldn't be. 
You see, the insanity of this shouldn't be is, if it is, it is. So why argue against reality? So when I, for, for example, I don't think I just one after one after one in real estate, I built 52, I was in the process of building 52 single family homes in California on San Andreas Road. Well, guess what? The San Andreas Fault decided to jerk around. It had a big, uh, big earthquake and destroyed the entire project. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, we're talking about uh, $10 million I had into the project. So, I mean, big loss. I had to be willing to accept that what is, is. And there's nothing, it's not this shouldn't be. Oh my God, what's happened to me? This never, 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 never should have been. What am I going to do? From that conversation, whatever I do is not going to be helping me to solve the situation. I have to come from the isness. Accept what is in the moment because it is, and be with what is, and then I get with I can then be with my own power to deal with what is. But if I approach what is from this shouldn't be, I have disenabled myself to deal with it effectively. Mm. And as for happiness, I spent uh, six weeks with the Maasai tribe over in Tanzania. I've never seen, and these folks uh, could go out in the forest any day in the jungle and die. I mean, clearly. First of all, what's interesting, uh, Sandy, they're very happy. Uh, incredibly, they love life. They love the insecurity of life, getting that in the insecurity, they really felt fully alive. And what's amazing, Sandy, they don't know how to lie. I mean, they don't know how to lie. Interesting. They, it doesn't exist in their, in, 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 their, in their culture. It's not someone said to a little child, don't lie. Because children are taught to tell the truth, only the truth, and every day the truth. And they love the feeling of the power that comes with telling the truth. And even if the truth gets them in trouble, they get, they're in trouble with power, not with weakness, which happens when you're lying. They just get that for their own, for their own welfare, because they're going out in the jungle where they're a beast ready to, ready to pounce on them. So one of the secrets to happiness for me that I learned from them is don't lie to myself. Mm. Don't come up with excuses, Rob. And, and don't blame others. Uh, maybe they did something you didn't like and now you're getting yourself all upset. But just be with, they said what they said. And now, be with that and what would you choose to do if you're still willing to go in the right direction? Like, the, like win at winning. Uh, you can start playing the game, winning at losing, and be right and prove they're wrong. But in order to do that, you're going to get yourself all caught up in, in, in fabrications about, uh, about yourself and the world, and it's a tough place to be, and you've got to be tough to, to make it happen. So you see, all of that gets tossed out the window. When the, you see, my only adversity in, in life is me. The only time I found I was failing and it had me sinking deeper was when I was talking to myself about this shouldn't be poor me and I took on a victim mentality. Otherwise, that doesn't happen. So I'm happy, by the way, in order to be happy, I'm not foolish. I've been around the block. I'm 78. I've done incredibly well in the world. I've, I've had some incredible failures. I've traveled the world extensively. I feel I have wisdom to share. But I also know this. In order to be happy, you have to be unhappy. You can't just be up without some down. Right. The truth, though, is how much, 
I can be happy 86%, 92% of the time. I'm not going to be, you can read some of these fairy tale books. I want to get this place of ultimate peace and happiness. Well, it's not going to happen in a world of polarity, which is where we are in this reality, planet Earth. The, 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 and the way I find that I am happy, much more than unhappy, is always notice when this shouldn't be shows up. That's when unhappiness follows right behind it. Yeah. Well, and I always tell people because, you know, as a happiness coach, people make an assumption that I'm happy all the time. No, I'm not happy all the time. Of course not. That's not reality. <laughs> I'm human and we are meant to feel all of the emotions. And I had a guest on recently where he was talking about the science of it. And one of the things that he pointed out that is so true is that science shows us that the happiest people are the ones that feel the full range of emotions. It's what yeah, you, it's how you react to those emotions. That's the key. That's the difference. You know, you know, when uh, so another uh, a fact is life is risky business. Yeah. And if you're going to jump into life and really feel alive, which gives you a feeling of incredible happiness, you got to take risks. Uh, you know, a lot of folks are under the myth that if I don't take a lot of risk and I avoid the risk, then I'll be happy. No one's happy that doesn't take chances. It's just not, it's not natural uh, for any living being. I mean, I just today watched a squirrel took a walk with Shakespeare, my parrot friend who sits on my shoulder of 38 years. And I watched a squirrel tormenting a hawk circling. And I got that squirrel was really having a ball. Now, he was taking a chance because that hawk was getting pretty agitated and trying to figure out how he was going to get him, which he did not. But I also got that the thrill of aliveness for the squirrel was once in a while, rather than just sitting on a branch safely eating an egg corn all day long, it's kind of nice to get out there and, and take a chance. Don't get too stupid. But have some fun. Yeah. That's life. You've got to get out there and, and take a chance. Don't get too stupid, but have some fun. Take a risk. What is it you really want to do? Uh, what, yeah, here's something interesting that uh, a possibility is only a possibility, Sandy, when you declare it a possibility. When I declared I am on my way to becoming a millionaire, the possibility, Rob White, a millionaire, became a possibility, which I then took responsibility for, engaged in action to forward the possibility and maybe it made it reality. But here's something folks don't get. Possibilities aren't possibilities until you declare it a possibility for you. And when you do, then you got to get that you're going to win at winning, but you've got to take full responsibility. And one of the responsibilities is I found that I did a lot better and met a lot more people who were able to help me and ahead, ahead of the game than I was and were willing to get involved with me when I was happy. People like to be around happy people. No one likes to, when I was young, oh, I had a gang of moody people who liked to be around me because they thought moodiness worked like me. But when I got into, into college, I quickly realized moody people are sitting by themselves moody. They're moody because they don't have anyone uh, sitting with them, but they don't get, no one wants to sit with them because they're moody. They got a moody uh, frowning face, on, puss on their face. Uh, and so happiness is huge when it comes to possibility. 
when you're feeling happy, you declare a possibility and you dare to take responsibility. By the way, a possibility still is only a possibility until you, me, I take full responsibility for taking action to forward the action to make it a reality. That's all about happiness. There's nothing more vibrant and feeling alive and feeling happy for me than to, and I'm still doing it, create another project, declare the possibility, probability for me, engage in action, correct myself, many mistakes that I retake, refine the action so I succeed and can and celebrate. That's a take constantly. And there's the happiness. There's the joy. There's the growth. There's the enhancement of being a human being. Mm, I love it. So who would you say, besides the principal, who was obviously a huge you know, mentor for you, was there anyone else? Because the wisdom that you speak of, and obviously, you know, you, you gave your age and, and it, and it comes with time and everything. I mean, that's just, there's a lot of really brilliant stuff there. So was there anybody else that, that really helped shape who you are? Uh, I, it was, it was, uh, Ram Das, it was his name. It's a funny name, so I, no one would know. He was Keith Albert. Uh, he was the, a, a psychologist at Harvard. Um, and I met him at Harvard. Uh, I ended up taking some classes there. And he was an incredible gift to me. And he was the wise elder that we'd have conversations of this nature. For example, he's the one that let me know there's two of us. You know, uh, I'm called Rob now. I was Bobby back then. So Ram Dass, he became Ram Dass. He ended up going to India and becoming a world-renowned um, spiritual teacher from a psychologist at Harvard to a spiritual teacher, kind of interesting, and wrote a book, Be Here Now, which was a flaming bestseller and still is a very popular one. I became close friends with him. He was a wonderful gift to me. And he shared with me, now, Bobby, you do know there's two of you, uh, and there's always going to be two of you. You were born, in my book, The Maestro Monologue, talks about it. Uh, you were born the maestro. A maestro is a master conductor who conducts a symphony orchestra, so it plays an incredible symphony. Well, you're born to be the maestro of your life and conduct your life in a way that it unfolds like an incredible symphony. But at age two, all of us get hit with the terrible, the howling nose, the terrible two to age five. Average child hears 60,000 no's. And during that 60,000 no's, we give birth to the other self, the flawed self, the, the unwanted mental house guest, the naysaying voice in our head that continually reminds us that we're flawed in some way or sense. See, that's so huge to get, uh, Sandy, especially with happiness when the other self, and you never get rid of it, but if you know it exists and you learn how to handle it, it can't handle you. Oh, it'll show up once in a while. I don't think it won't show up. Matter of fact, when it shows up for me now, Sandy, and it can, someone cuts me off and I slam on my brake and I almost have an accident and I'm all angry, I stop and I say to myself, I don't mean I stop the car, I stop my conversation of anger in my head. And I say, wow, you're good. Oh, you're good to the other <laughs> self. 
Yeah. I call it the intruder. I say, you're good. Leave me off God for a second. You jump right in, don't you? <laughs> well, you see, that, that other self had full command of my life when I was a punk teenager. Uh, I had forsaken the maestro. Now, how do you know the maestro existed? We couldn't have learned to walk, talk, read, and write the first four years of our life if we didn't come from the maestro. Good thing we took those on. They claim if you try to do any of those things at age 50, good luck if you get it done ever. Well, you see, that what the principal, my principal taught me, he was talking to the maestro. He was telling me I was born to win the maestro. And he said, but if you choose to win at losing, you'll do that too. Just let the intruder, he didn't use the word maestro intruder. I'm using it. Right. So the greatest gift that I got from my mentor, Ram Das, Dr. Keith Albert, was there's two of me. And there was two of you, uh, uh, Sandy. Mm -hmm. And when you're happy, that is the maestro. And that is when you're brilliant and creative and confident and all the good stuff, ambitious and loving and kind and generous. And when you are sulking, that is the intruder, the unwanted mental house guest that you gave birth to. Between age two and five, Sandy, you heard 60,000 no's in some way, shape, or form, some harsh, some soft, but no, 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 no. And by age five, you too made a firm decision, there's something wrong with me. And at that point, that other self came forward. You identified with it, and people live with it for the rest of their lives. Mm. And folks who are unhappy and barely making it through life can live with the intruder almost all of their lives. And folks who have breakthroughs or something new and just love life or loves its challenges and enjoy life, they're living with the maestro most of their life. Mm. I love that analogy. And that's really incredible that. Um, I'm very familiar with with him, Ramadas, and uh, yeah, I, I was like, there, he's there's more to this conversation. <laughs> I love it. Wow. I mean, I, I would imagine you just have such overwhelming gratitude that for that relationship. Well, being in the presence of someone, what you call it, fully realized, yeah, someone who really gets life the way he did. It, it's it's an incredible feeling of appreciation, gratitude. What I loved most about Ramdas is uh, I would attend and work with him in his workshops, uh, and he would let someone go off on their story and their poor me story, and in the middle of their story and their poor me story, he would cup him, he would pour himself a cup of tea. And he'd sip the tea and he'd savor the tea and the person would get offended. And he'd say, oh, are you still telling me your story? And the reason he did that is eventually he helped him to see it's your poor me story that has you stuck with the intruder living your life. So tell me what happened. He said, this time, just tell me the ismish. She said, and then you said, and then she did this and you did that. But forget all the adjectives, all the adverbs. Just tell me the ismish. You see, when you just get to that kind of reality, uh, you absolutely see uh, many choices you could have made of responses that you didn't make because um, this shouldn't be, and, and the poor me you uh, took over and had you reacting, and your whole life becomes a soap opera. You see, your story 
if your story is one of sad sack me, your life is totally a soap opera evolving around that. When you, happiness, uh, Sandy, and I know you know how to deal with all this, so I'm not teaching you anything. In order to get someone to, I'm happy, and by the way, here's something powerful to know. In order for me to be happy, I have to be saying to myself, I am happy. That's right. I'm not, I mean, I don't say it out loud. In order to be happy, I'm living in a conversation called, I am happy and here are my challenges. I am happy and here are the many blessings. I am happy and it's raining and storming awful today and we were going to go on a picnic. I am happy and it's a beautiful day to go sailing and the sun is shining. We're doing that. But it's always coming from, I am happy. In order to be unhappy, I have to be coming from I am unhappy, and then I translate, I find things out there to validate, or I find things you say or do to validate why I'm unhappy. What I don't get is, I started with the conversation unconsciously. It's called Moody. I am unhappy. I then go into the world looking for things to validate and prove I should be unhappy. And I didn't know had I come started with the, the mood, good mood, just good mood, I would have went out in the world and found things, I am happy, I would have went out and found all kinds of dozens of little things like I have been doing today that validate and verify I am happy. It's a conversation. It starts with, see, human beings are moody. Where's the mood come from? A con underneath the mood is a conversation. And it's have in and, and, and what's the foundation of the conversation? Well, I'm unhappy because of, and then we find all kinds of things, and that's called being in a bad mood. Or uh, I'm really happy because of, and I, I find all kinds of things, and that's the foundation for being in a good mood. Mm. Very well stuff. said. It's powerful stuff, isn't it, Sam? It really is. It really is. And you know, the way you, you have explained it so beautifully is very simple, but it's not always as easy to apply for some. You know, you know I would like to say this. Uh, Ram Das told me this stuff for 15 years in a row. And, and, I, and, and, I, and something he shared with me, very powerful, Sandy, for us to know. You'll get it and you're going to lose it. Then you're going to get it and you're going to lose it again. And you're going to get it and you're going to lose it, but you're going to get it a little longer. And then you're going to get a little more and then you're going to lose it. Being a human being is a child learns how to walk for three seconds and loses it. Then they learn how to walk for, for, for seven seconds and lose it. Then one a whole minute and then loses it. And then, and then two minutes. Before you know it, they're walking 24-7 if they want to. That's how we grow. That's how we learn. And we shouldn't get disappointed when we lose it. Because part of getting it is losing it. So we can get it again. But every time we get it, we get it a little deeper. So we hold it longer until eventually we get to say, that's it. I got it. And then we're up and walking around and we're not falling down. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Absolutely. Rob, this has been such an amazing conversation. And I thank you so much. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience that we haven't talked about? No. There, other than I would... Just tell you, I did. A, I put a book out six months ago, mm. the Maestro Monologue, which is all about this. It's easy, it's simple, it's fun, it's funny, uh, and I suggest perhaps some of your listeners would be interested, and they can get me at robwhitemedia.com if they want to. And other than that, no, this was great. It was a whole and complete conversation, and Sandy, I'm declaring I'm happy. Yay! 
I love it. And I am happy too. Thank you so much, Rob. This was, this was really amazing. Thank you. That was such an incredible interview and just absolutely loved talking with Rob. So you can learn more about Rob on his website, which is robwhitemedia.com. So thank you so much for joining me today. As always, I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone.